The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are ours and do not reflect those of our employers, co-workers, family, or friends. While we have conversations about various topics, any mentions of drugs, sex, religion, politics, and the like that offends anyone should be considered satire and for entertainment purposes only. And yes, we can get a little toxic. So if you're easily triggered, have unresolved trauma, can't take a joke, or don't enjoy adult conversations, you've been warned. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I don't know where it became a thing that black people want watermelon, but watermelon is amazing. And and watermelon does great things for a man's libido, too, low-key. That's what I heard. We're on the streets. <laughs> so I will agree. <laughs> that might be why Caribbean men get so much love me. around the world. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> I would agree that watermelon is amazing. Uh, it does have yeah. lots of benefits. Um, and it's actually when, to be honest, it's going to sound horrible. The reason why it has a negative connotation for some black people is because back in the day when black folks were freed from slavery during that mm -hmm. emancipation period of time, um, also known as the post-reconstruction era, black folks were selling watermelon on the side of the road to make profit. And so therefore it was immediately demonized and um, treated with, oh, black folks eat watermelon and chicken, that type of bullshit. But anyway, leave it up to you. Leave it up to you for the historical context. I love it. <laughs> the evolution of black people in watermelons <laughs> in postmodern slavery America. Um, <laughs> I ain't but listen though. So like, so I did. You know, my son is what two and a half years old, right? And um, I took him for his first professional haircut, right? Which was kind of exciting. So let me backtrack a little bit. Um, so, you know, kids grow, their hair is mad long. I think a lot of us have, like, young boys with long hair, right, up to a certain point. Because I think technically you're not supposed to, like, cut their hair or try to give them edges too early, right? So his hair was growing, growing kind of long, and his mom was kind of getting tired of doing it. So I'm like, all right, I got some clippers, so I'm going to at least try to take the hair down a little bit. So I did. It wasn't the greatest. And it was crazy as I actually cut my own hair, but... That's different than cutting a kid's hair, right? <laughs> Unless you're going bald. So, anywho, so he got pictures. He had pictures coming up this week, and then uh, we decided to like, hey, let's get his haircut for some pictures. So my wife was like, hey, do you want me to take him? And I'm like, nah, you know, I'll go ahead and take him because you know, I mean, as a man, it's like, you know, I go to the barber, he go to the barber, we go to the barber together. It's like a rite of passage, something that you do with your son. So the day before I was about to get his haircut done, she asked me like, are you sure? Because you know, I can go ahead and take him because you know, I'd be mad busy. And I'm like, no, you're not finna go ahead and take them. What the hell I look like? Have you taken them looking like a single mama walking <laughs> walking into the barbershop, right? Because let's be honest, you know, if an attractive woman walks in with a son, the first thing you're thinking is, oh, she ain't got no man. You know what I'm saying? She must be somebody's baby moms. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I done made an honest woman out of this, you know, an honest woman out of this woman. The hell I look like have her going into the barbershop with our son looking like a single mom, right? And it was funny because she laughed. And then she's like, no, that's not right. And I'm like, you know, good and damn well, if I would have had like a two, three-year-old daughter and I took her into the beauty supply or the beauty salon, a bunch of women be looking at me like, 
Idris Elba from that Tyler, Tyler Perry movie, okay? Like, who is a single daddy? You know what I'm saying? Let me, you know, she needs a mother in her life, you know? So I can just imagine the men at the barbershop talking about, hey, that, 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 that little boy needs a father. You know what I'm saying? Fuck I look like. But anyways, what's good with you, man? What's good with you? So good call, of course, on taking your son because you are 100% correct. Uh, At least from my perspective, you are 100% correct. It is a rite of passage um, from father and son. And plus, this just talks about the reinforcement of stereotypes in our community because you are also correct. Debbie would have walked in the beautician with that baby girl. Then the women would have been on you like, honey. What is wait? What's the phrase? No, let me not go there. Anyways, so my week was like, I'm doing well, doing pretty good. Um, I will note though, I felt like I was on the verge of getting my black card revoked, and it hurt my feelings because usually my black card is never revoked. And so I was on the verge, and do you know why I was on the verge? Because I went to a concert that was featuring Monica. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the '90s, as you know. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, we got Genuine, we got um, Drew Hill, we got Maya, who I love, and we also got Shy, who I love as well. And then they had Monica as the headliner. And I was like, holy shit. I don't know, but two of her songs. And one is with Brandy. And I was like, oh, no. So like all my friends, they were like grooving and whatnot. And I'm just like... And to be honest, it's not like that you had to pick one side, like you either a Brandy fan or a Monica fan. I just so happened to gravitate towards Brandy at that time more so than I did Monica. But anyways, the concert, I was a little surprised by the fact that because I was like, you know, you hear songs in the background. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I heard some of her. I hear none of them. I know not one. Well, I knew one. Let me take that back. And then the Brandy one with her. I didn't know anything. And then what makes it's just me feel bad? One of those days. Exactly. That's the one I knew. And, and I felt so bad because I was ready to go. And she just got on stage. She was like 11, 15. But part of the reason why I was ready to go is because I went with a older, slightly older crowd. The ages range from 38 to 62. And it turns out these folks like to arrive two hours before the event starts. And usually I would drive myself because I prefer to drive either 15 minutes early or on time. And that was not the case. So we were there about 6.30 for a concert that started at 8. So by 11.15, and the fact that I didn't know hardly any of her songs, i.e. only one, I was like, I'm ready to go. But I didn't drive. So my hard-learned lesson was always drive myself Hello. because <laughs> I need to be in control. No, that's a big fact. That is a big, and that's actually one of my standard rules. That's number one. Number two, I have about a two and a half hour limit for most events. So like if I'm going for the headliner, I'm not getting there two hours earlier, right? Because I already know it's going to be some like, you know, intro performers or whatever. So I probably would get there late. Like, so for example, if she didn't go on until about 1130 or 1115, I probably wouldn't have gotten there until like maybe 930, you know, at the end of the day. So I feel you on that. And when you're rocking with other people, but girl, you could have took an Uber. You know what I'm saying? You could have took you like a little, you know, a lift or something. You didn't have to stay hostage to the people. You, hey, y'all. Hey, it's been great. I'm going to see y'all. Yeah, my <laughs> husband calling me. I got to go. I'm just taking Uber. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just taking her to Uber. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think about it because I felt like maybe I'll be rude if I'm like, okay, then I'm going to go ahead and bounce. And so, but now, now in hindsight, that's a great suggestion. I should have took an Uber yes. because by 1130, I was getting irritable because I'm, because I don't know. I think it's because we started off with that whole 
early time frame yeah. to the concert and and we didn't eat so I was hungry and so it was a whole big whole big thing I ended up eating like a veggie burger and I looked greedy I looked hungry by the time I got this burger <laughs> well speaking of being rude because I'm not trying to be rude we got a show to get started sometimes you got to do what you got to do okay should have took that lift but anyways man let's get this show started you ready of course of course all right let's go you try to take my pieces game over game over as soon as i know that you're trying to take my peace it's over with you can no longer be around me to some capacity we're not talking about people that don't intentionally do things and you let them know that i don't like that and they change that and they say my bad i'm sorry didn't know wasn't intentional but i'm talking about the people that know because they did it before and they know how you reacted before and they keep doing it game over you either can't help yourself. And if you can't help yourself, that's one thing. But if you ain't helping me and my spirit, my well-being, my peace, you might need a total cutoff or you may need a distance to some capacity. But either way, I got to get my peace back. You can't do that to me. Nah, you ain't going to do that to me. I won't allow it. It's that simple. Welcome to yet another episode of the His and Hers edition of the BLC. You already know what it is. Episode lucky number seven. S&M was happening. Yeah, you already know. Before I forget, because I do forget often, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, share, engage. You already know what it is. You know what I mean? Show us a little bit of love. But other than that, man, S&M was good. All right. Just want to reiterate, like, subscribe, follow, share, engage. We read the comments just as a reminder. And we appreciate those who's tapped in. Speaking of tapping in on something, uh, Beyonce. Yo, last week we talked about Beyonce. And it turns out she made history debuting as number one. And I found it so fascinating because this is country music. There's a whole bunch of hoopla around it. But that's not what I really want to talk about. What I really want to talk about, though, is the Beyonce effect. Because of Beyonce, black country musicians are basically having a renaissance of a sort, right? And so their, their visibility shot through the roof. You got folks like Tanner Adol, the, the Kentucky gentleman. My apologies for that. Britney Spencer, Willie Jones. And so... With a name like Willie Jones, though, did you really expect him to do anything but country? But anyways, did you get a chance to listen to the Beyonce songs? And what do you think about this whole Beyonce effect? I mean, listen, without being a member of the Beehive, I can still be a supporter of the amazing Beyonce. And I ain't gonna lie to you, like, that, that Texas Hold'em joint, I was jamming. I was just saying, and I, and I was like jamming to that joint. I ain't gonna hold you. I mean, it is Beyonce for Christ's sakes, okay? The other song, it was okay. A little bit more slower tempo. Um, tempo. But I mean, it's gonna be fascinating to see what the rest of the album looks like. A lot of people were, comp you know, kind of comparing her and Lil Nas X. I kind of feel like if you just have one song, it's hard to know the direction that the artist is going in because you can have an artist that just happens to have a song that's like on the country vein, but the rest of the album could be straight like pop and R&B or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what the entire project um, sounds like. But that first joint, I mean, my wife was asking me like, what makes it country? I was like, the beat, 
the cadence, the vibe, you know what I mean? It was a hoedown. I mean, she used the word hoedown in a song, right? Mm -hmm. But in terms of like her having an impact, I think that's just the Beyonce effect for sure. We talked about her influence before. Um, You know, Beyonce moves the needle, you know what I mean? I will not be surprised that by the summertime to see a bunch of black people in like country garb, you know what I'm saying? From the cowboy boots to the hats. I was even joking with my wife that like low key, Beyonce is going to bring America together. You know what I'm saying? Because you might not, we've already brought white people to hip hop. Now, what happens when we bring black people back to country music? Okay. I feel like Beyonce is going to bring America back together again. Okay. So kudos to her. But what are your thoughts though? I know that we were talking about this last week. You might not be necessarily a beehiver, but uh, what are your thoughts? So I only knew a couple folks in the country music scene, right? So I knew there were black musicians. And as you know, we did create everything to include country music. Let's not lie. But anyways, I'm not saying we lie, but for the folks out there in the public who assume that we don't have our hands on everything. So I found it so fascinating because one of the singers that I actually do like, her name is Raina Roberts. And she's like a redheaded singer. And so folks started comparing her to Sexy Red, which was an insult to her. And she responded accordingly. But anyways, uh, with that being said, I was actually surprised that Kay Michelle actually dropped some country music with a song called Tennessee. And I think it's interesting. I agree that Beyonce, I don't know if she's going to bring America together, but she's definitely going to get some, uh, what's it called? Um, foot stomping, um, hold down. <laughs> clapping, hands clapping, it was a hoot hold nanny. down. <laughs> And so I definitely recommend folks check it out, but not just Beyonce. Check out the regular country music singers that's been out there already, you know, like Shabuzi, Don Lewis, Kane Brown. And um, just check it out. Just not focus on the Beyonce, but I appreciate her effect. So kudos to her for that number one and for raising the visibility of country music artists. Yeah, you know, speaking of what we choose to focus on, apparently you mentioned Monica, I believe, earlier, and shame on you. Although low-key, I probably only know about five or six Monica songs. But nonetheless, though, I couldn't help but to focus on this clip that I saw that made it seem like Monica had a BBL, okay? That wagon was dragging, is what I've heard. That's not my words. That's the internet's words. And so what are your thoughts? Well, let me also say this. Monica did respond. She said, yo... This wasn't no BBL, you know what I'm saying? A sister going through some things, you know what I mean? I think she disclosed a lot of her busy in terms of some of the mm-hmm. things that she was going through. But I, at first, I was like, oh, okay, Monica, thank you for responding. I, I didn't know it was a bad thing. So what are your thoughts on BBL gate as it relates to Monica? BBL gate. <laughs> Sorry. Everything's a gate. <laughs> That's hilarious. So... <laughs> So I actually appreciate the fact that she took the time to respond because, you know, a woman, she can't put on some weight and now she got a BBL because she so happened to get some junk in her trunk, you know. And I love the fact that Monica addressed it and she pointed out they failed to mention the little gut she got, too, because apparently it just wasn't the backside that got some love a little bit on the front side, too. So I'm not sure this was some form of hate on her because she's another woman that looks great in her 40s. So I'm just going to say, Monica, keep doing you, boo. Even though I only knew one of your songs and Brandy, the, the duet, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, but yeah. keep doing you, boo. Your Monica card. Your black card may still be intact, but your Monica card might have to be revoked for sure. Um, but my thing was like, yo, I saw the picture. So first of all, we only saw the picture of her from the back. And so we weren't really paying attention to the front. And most men are okay with dealing with a little mm-hmm. fupa, a little stuff. You know what I'm saying? Especially as we get older. But when we was looking at that thing from the back, though, no, I was like, okay. 
okay. And then my only thing was, was like, yo, why you tripping, ma? I don't think people were saying it as a bad thing. I mean, if anything, it's like, nah, this old natural. But I felt like she was taking it as some type of dig. And I'm like, nah, from what I'm looking at, this don't look like a dig to me at all. You dig? I mean, I can dig it is what I thought to myself. But I mean, number one, though, aside from all the jokes, hopefully we wish her well in regards to her health. I think she had mentioned she was going through some things, maybe didn't disclose all the details. But Monica, baby, you are beloved, okay, by the community. And especially when you adding some of that dragon to the wagon, you know what I'm saying? I felt like this was a Game of Thrones episode, but I'm going to just move right along. I'm going to just move right along. I'm just going to say this. Monica believes in keeping it real since she came on the scene. She has always kept it real. So that's why she responded because she was keeping it real and letting you know what no, you she thought wasn't. back there was she, real. She didn't tell us she hey. had a BBL, so she didn't have to keep it that real, but go ahead. So you know who's been keeping it real and I wish she would stop keeping it real because mm. I honestly don't know what the hell she was thinking or what the hell she was doing, but Tiffany Haddish. I, I'm At this point, I'm just like, first of all, did you see her latest post about her vacation and trip to Israel? Yeah, a little bit. Tell me more, because I was kind of confused by it. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, so I know she's a comedian, and she barely recovered from... Is she really a comedian? You know, she claims to be a comedian, and folks acknowledge that she's a comedian. Kevin Hart claimed he put her on and everything, so yeah, she's a comedian. Cat Williams said she ain't had no specials. We ain't seen her (laughs) tell a bunch of jokes, but whatever. She had one special. I watched it. It was not great, but she did have one special because I want to give her the benefit of doubt, but you know, it's all good. So she's a comedian, but you know, she barely recovered from her alleged pedophile mishap, also known as Skip Gate, since we're going to make everything a gate. But it turns out, not only is she a clown, she's basically a fool to me. So basically, she was on this flight drinking and yapping up that she's headed to Israel to see what's really going on because she can't trust the news. And while there, she was planning on getting her party on too. So I'm like, hmm, she seems to be pretty tone deaf at this point. And I'm not even sure if she's just seeking attention, if she's suffering from some type of mental dysfunction or what. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I hear some animus towards Tiffany Haddish. So I really am going to move out the way and let you talk your talk. Um, I mean, I don't know what to make of Tif- Tiffany Haddish. I know that she's been through some things. You know, we've had some stories about her, I guess, being drunk or being pulled over, or DUI. She used to date Common. I mean, honestly, I've never really found her funny. I think she's more of like a comedic actor. I think she was great in the movies that I saw where she was able to kind of get into her bag. Obviously, Girls Trip is one of them. But I tried to watch that special. I didn't think she was funny at all. I, I get why people kind of wonder how did she make her rise because – from a comedian standpoint, I just don't see a lot of it there. I've never seen it from her, but I think she's a great comedic actor. Um, but I also think she's probably, you know, needs some help. Somebody needs to put their arms around her and help her get the help that she needs. I don't know if it is a cry for attention. I don't know if she has a drinking issue or a drinking problem, right? Or abuse. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we want to see our black queens out here doing well. And so just on a general level, I hope she's doing well, but she's been making a fool out of herself. And um, hopefully the people who are around her in her circle can get her the help that she she needs but back to you snm so i just pray that she gets the help that she needs because this was not the flex that she thought it was there was a like a i guess about 24 hours ago she wanted to post all this stuff about what she's doing and there's like commentary about her eating some damn pickles and why jewish people love pickles and it was like once again 
this whole tone deafness was amazing because there's an active war going on and you're talking about some damn pickles. And so I hope she does get the help she needs. And since apparently she's having a holly jolly good time. And so I'm not sure where she's going with this. But please, please, Tiffany, please seek some mental health counseling. And if this is your homeland, because you you are, from my understanding, Jewish as well. Please also recognize the humanity on the other side of the aisle, too. And that's all I got to say on that. Now, listen, speaking of tone deaf, (laughs) Trump came out with the Trump Force Ones. Okay, he came out with some new sneakers. Trump was at SneakerCon where he debuted, I guess, the Air Trump Ones or whatever. They kind of look like maybe some Jordan One silhouettes in terms of like mid-top, high-top. They were all gold. I think there was a limited number. Um, And then it was funny to me about the commentary after he dropped the shoes. There were some people who felt like, oh, you know, he's definitely going to get black people to support him, you know? I mean, so what are your thoughts? Um, and are you copying you a pair of the Trump Force Ones? Um, that'd be a big fat hell no, and um, so and followed by a hell mf and no because I realized I started off cursing. I need to pull that back, pull that energy back, and so I was shocked. Um, basically, I felt that folks was calling black people stupid. And we will fall for anything shiny. That's why these sneakers are gold. Because you've got to mention them Trump Force Ones or where the hell he calling them. They're gold also. So, and I think it's weird because as usually, I don't like to use the term niggas, but look, I'm going to put it this way. Uh, niggas was out here in these streets talking about they copping them. And, and niggas was out here in this street talking and bragging about it. And so now I'm just like, wow, these People who pointed out that black folks are basically stupid and fall for anything shiny, they may got some points when it comes to the very few. My issue is that the black folks, um, the few always get painted as the majority, right? So we do have some clowns out there, also known as niggas. And uh, <laughs> we probably get canceled. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways. Talk your talk. <laughs> niggas. <laughs> so... My thing is, if, if black folks are out here voting for Trump, I'm hoping it's because he's appealing through his proposed policies, right? I'm hoping it's because he's appealing to the fact that he's supposedly a family man. And I'm hoping that they're voting because of his, once again, his stances and whatnot. But at the end of the day, these folks keep showing how little they think of black folks' intellectual capabilities to include Trump because he was recently on stage indicating that he felt like he'll get more black folks voting for him because he was indicted. And I was like, wait, what? What, what is he implying? But back to these sneakers. At the end of the day, this saddens me because what the hell? You getting a pair? Well, first of all, I am a sneakerhead, kind of. Um, I do collect Jordans, for example. Um, And when I first heard about the Trump Force Ones, I thought to myself, this might be worth adding to the collection. Absolutely not. (laughs) First of all, I mean, listen... If people really know who Donald Trump is, he just puts his name on shit. And the quality does not always match up to the prestige that his name once garnered. Okay, let's be honest. Okay, I think he made like 50 or some odd pair. It's probably like a promotional thing. Um, the people who might be deemed as not intelligent, especially amongst black folks who would vote for Trump, was probably going to do that before the sneakers, right? So I do think there is an argument that people are misinformed when you hear them publicly talk about their support for Trump, right? Um but this is not a political podcast. I just really do want to say, though, that 
uh, hell to the no, no, no. Them shits was not like, I mean, they weren't it. I mean, I do get like if you wanted to get you a pair so that you figured one day it'd be worth something. I mean, maybe as a collector's item. But I think for most sneakerheads, you know, nah, we off that. You know, the brand and the type of sneaker that it is is super duper important. And uh, I just thought it was funny that people thought that this would move the needle. But uh, listen, I'm not mad. At least he has his own sneakers. One day I'll have my own sneakers too, you know, and uh, people will cop them. But as far as the Trump Force ones, it's a no for me. Uh, I support that 100%. I hope you have your sneakers one day too. So kudos for that ambition as well. And the big fact, no, you know, it should be a no. Mm. It should be a no for Erica as it pertains to Scrappy because Scrappy is apparently spinning the block again. Um, so recently there's an interview with Scrappy and Erica where he basically told Erica that he has always loved her even when he was in a relationship with other women. And I'm like, damn, this guy here is the epitome of why some women be bitter as hell. Because if you knew you're in love with this one, a.k.a. Erica, why you go on and continue to have relationships with other women to include getting married? Make it make sense, Nick. I got you, okay? I mean, he has a lot going on. Um, I saw that same interview with Erica. Um, he's going back and forth with his ex-wife, right? I guess apparently she was talking about how petty he's been in regards to like the children's book that he had. Obviously, we talked about the whole Diamond thing because not too long ago, he was rocking out with Diamond once he left the BAM. I mean, honestly, this is like the definition of messy all the way around the board. And honestly, the person at the heart of that is Scrappy. You get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I think honestly, BAM felt like, hey, we're in a relationship. We're building something. She's not out here claiming that she has an ex that she's still in love with. With. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think she stood up and did what she was supposed to do for the most part, dealing with a difficult situation with like a difficult, you know, mother-in-law, also like, you know, a baby mom with Erica. So they had beef. I saw a clip about them going head to head. I mean, the entire thing is messy and it starts with Scrappy. I just kind of felt like at some point as men, we have to be accountable for the mess that we create and and at least try to de-escalate the situation. You dig what I'm saying? Like, to me, it's crazy to have two women barking at each other because of me, because low-key, that kind of speaks to like my lack of ability to control my situation, you know what I'm saying? Or make sure that I was being honest or forthcoming, right? But to your question in regards to him being in love, I can totally see that. Like she was maybe his first in a lot of ways, his first baby mom throughout the years. They've had a friendship. Sometimes we romanticize things after the fact, right? It's very possible that yes, he had love for her. And then he, you know, decided to move forward with the BAM, had love for the BAM. That didn't work out. Spun the block with Diamond, realized there's nothing but coal there. And then now he's looking back and it's like, oh, she's single. I'm single. We still got a vibe. We still got energy. I've always been in love with her. You know what I'm saying? But I just think that relationships by and large and people's emotions are fickle. Um, sometimes we romanticize the past and make it more than what it was. But at the end of the day, like if this is what it's going to be, let it be that, right? If somehow in some magical way, Erica decides that, yo, I'm in love with you too. We're going to make this work. You nigga. Cause like low key, it's like a, a hood fairy tale kind of, if you really think about it, right? The baby moms that was, and now, you know, you're making her an honest woman after, you know, been through all these different things. So I get how people can root for this, but if it does happen though, at some point in time, you're like, bro, like. This is it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's already people looking at Scrappy as being an F-boy, you know what I'm saying, in terms of how he's moved. Um, and so, yo, bro, if this, if she takes you back and you can make it work, I salute you. But if she does, though, you got to stand tall and just be the man she needs you to be because at some point in time, either that or just find some new, you know, you know what I mean? There's, there's a billion women out here, bro. 
You know what I mean? Find something new. Move on. But you can't keep on holding these women hostage in terms of your emotionally and the relationship that you're in with them. So. I don't know. I just feel I'm just concerned because we talk about, especially in this gender war era where we're always at each other backs. Right. And so I'm a little concerned because there there's a lot of black men that speak about bitter black women. Right. And then we have examples of folks who basically created those bitter black women. And so I like the fact that you pinged on the accountability piece because I need folks to start taking accountability for their actions that may trigger that bitter black woman. Right. And so um, I just want to say this. (laughs) Scrappy. Do you love yourself? Because if you love yourself, then perhaps you'll step up and show the love that you claim that you have to Erica. And like Nick said, make her an honest woman, so to speak. I'm going to put quotation marks on honest because I never understood that term either. So um, anyways, <laughs> Nick, you about to come at me about this honest term. Maybe in post-production we could talk about that. But anyways, moving on. <laughs> huh, so you want Scrappy to do what again? You want him to do what? Because you kind of lost me a little bit. You want Scrappy to do what? Like I want him to. One, you got to complete your thought, boo. We're on audio and No, here. no. Oh, so I said that I want Scrappy. If this is truly the person he loves, go ahead and wife her up. Go ahead and commit to her. Go ahead and have this accountability before he makes another bitter black woman. And I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I want Scrappy oh, gotcha. to take accountability. No, listen, I, I'm uh, this idea of a man making a bitter black woman, I think a man can participate in the actions that lead to her being bitter, but there also is accountability, especially when we talk about this situation, right? Because if Erica were to take him back, then at that point in time, I think we said this before, like she'd yeah. be accountable for that, right? So, you know, it's like, yes, he's accountable for what he's done up to this point, but for any woman who who's seen his story, who's followed him on social media, seen how he's treated his other baby moms, ex baby moms themselves right if any woman decides to move forward with him seeing all the evidence that are mm-hmm. that's out there then that's all them you dig what i'm saying so i'm just saying like man to man though i'm not necessarily trying to knock scrappy for what he's done because i believe that it's possible that you had a relationship you got you know fell in love whatever whatever but i'm saying at some point in time man to man i gotta be able to say bro like you're moving kind of crazy you know at some point in time like even if you know, your ex-wife is tripping, but you know you out here publicly courting the ex that you was with that was like the undercurrent of your relationship in the first place, then my nigga, give her some grace. You don't have to go back and forth with her on social media. You dig what I'm saying? Like, you already know how you move. You feel some type of way. And just like I said before, like, sometimes, I think we were talking about, I forgot who the husband we were talking about. No, Iman Shumpert. I'm like, bro, like, at some point, you're not moving very player-like. You know what I'm saying? Your actions are not very G, especially when you're talking about the mother of your three kids, for example. Like, come on, bro. We got to do better. But it's time for us to get to the main conversation. You dig what I'm saying? And uh, speaking of someone who needs to do better, okay, it's been all the craze this past week. Who the fuck did I marry? Okay. Before we play the clip, I'll just give you guys a little quick background. Okay. This woman had a 50 part story time on TikTok. I think each part was like maybe nine to 10 minutes. So you do the math times 50, where she basically talked about her experience with a pathological liar. Easy for me to say, let's check out the clip and then we'll come back on the other side. Hi and welcome. We all know why you're here. You're here for part of the new series that I'm calling Who the Fuck Did I Marry? I'm going to create this playlist series um, and I'm going to tell the story of how I 
met, dated, married, and divorced a real pathological liar. So I'll admit, I think I watched the first 17 parts, okay? It was very entertaining. She was a great storyteller. Um, And then about 17, 18, I was like, all right, I don't got time for the other 50. So I'll admit that I did skip to like part 42 and watch from there. And then I was able to fill in some of the storyline with all the conversation that happened. I think at this point, she's had like tens of millions of views. There were people who were like, man, I could barely even watch a three-minute clip. And here I am watching, I think what turned out to be seven hours or more or somewhere thereabouts in regard to how long it was and people were invested but long story short it was about this woman who met this guy right and within a month they dated um they moved into you know together that was right around the time of covid when people were going on lockdown so they decided to quarantine together and then she just kind of continues to tell a story about how she you know ultimately married this man and to only find out that she had no clue of who he really was it was very intriguing but snm i know you had to hear about this story um, there's so much here to kind of delve into a little bit. So what are your thoughts on, I believe it's Risa Tisa, um, who's actually on her way to London and Paris, her dream trip, after the notoriety of her, who the fuck did I get married to, um, story time on TikTok. So what are your thoughts? So, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. And I, too, watched like the first 15, and then I skipped to the end uh, because it was so much. And I think they did say it was like about eight hours. I think the most exciting part about this story, one, it resonated with a lot of people who felt like they deal with narcissistic personalities who may be pathological liars and whatnot. But the aftermath I found fascinating because the internet did its thing and tracked down the dude Legion. And so I'm going to use terms allegedly. His name is Danny H., And apparently he was posting under the name of Jerome McCoy, which was Reese's, Risa, Tisa. I think that's what she was going by. um, (laughs) Married name, McCoy. And so they end up calling him out for his behaviors, right? To include the fact that he lied about jobs, lied about playing, which included playing arena football. He had some dead relatives, documents. There's a whole like three-part of that series where she talked about this mortgage loan as an example. Anyways, it turns out this dude lied about everything under the sun, anything and everything. If it was the truth, he made sure to tell the opposite. He was a liar. So after the internet found this dude, <laughs> because the internet de- detective community is strong, <laughs> he, of course, came back out and claimed that she was lying and that they even went to marriage counseling and nothing worked. But what's even crazier about this story is that his first wife decided to come out as well once they identified who this dude was and tell her side of the story. And she basically corroborated everything Risa said. I was like, wow. This is mad crazy. So the one thing that I will say is that I appreciate the fact that she acknowledged that she ignored the red flags, right? She acknowledged her fault and took accountability for her portion, excuse me, of this, of this adventure. And I'm sad that it happened to her and that it turned out this way, but That's something that we can talk about because one of the things that she mentioned was that he checked all the boxes. He appeared to be financially stable. He appeared to want marriage. He wanted to start a family. And those were her primary um, considerations for finding a significant other. And so, unfortunately... He ended up cheating as well. It was a, it was so much. I, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to say this. It turns out 
that these people do exist. We act like they don't exist. And it can be men or women. In this particular story, it so happened to be a man. And I give her, I'm waiting for the Tyler Perry to take her story. I'm waiting because, you know, this is this sounds just like a Tyler Perry movie or a Lifetime movie because Lifetime love these type of stories. So I'm just waiting on that because, wow, I cannot believe the what she went through in the short time frame that she went through it. And I think that, honestly, COVID worked in his favor because she couldn't verify certain things. And once she started doing the calling and the investigation of her own, that's when everything came out. So kudos to her for finally recognizing some of those flags and saying, hey, let me start following up. Um, Sadly, I hope this guy gets some help too. The question I have though is, can a narcissistic actually get help? And is he a narcissistic? Are we just diagnosing him based on her 52-part series? So, you know, I'm not surprised that you took the the take that you take that you took. <clears throat> because number one, I think she did a good job of trying to diffuse some of the criticism that she would have received by, I guess, stating that she was accountable for what she did. But I don't think it does anyone any justice to look over that part, right? Because if we're talking about this idea of women wanting to be married, she was thirsty. I would say she was probably dehydrated, right? Because I don't get how you move a man into your house within a month of just meeting him. I don't give a fuck that COVID was happening. I do understand that people were moving like that, right? But if she was not thirsty, she would have been a little bit more prudent in regards to how quickly she allowed herself to get swept up by this man. Okay. I've heard conversations of women talking about like, were there any other men in her life that she could have called once she got that flat tire? I knew that the minute that he showed up looking, cause she had said something. It was funny to me when she was talking, she said, you know, he looked just like his picture. She was more excited that he looked like his picture than the fact that he was there to help her change her tire. Right. So she saw a man to her who was attractive and she was happy that he looked like the picture. And then he does the chivalrous thing. And then after that, it was a wrap. I knew when she was telling her story, I thought to myself, oh, she is moist right here. First, he looks like her his picture and now he's changing your tire. Ooh, girl, right? When it spoke to us, a woman who probably did not have a lot of experiences with men who treated her well, right? And when, you, when the other women came out, there seemed to be some consistency Right, all these women kind of admit to themselves that they had low self esteem. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm not trying to be mean or funny, but like the reason why I know that women y'all are funny to me is because some of y'all could look at her and see that maybe low key she had some low self esteem. You can see how she was taken advantage of, and many of y'all probably don't see yourselves as having the same level of low self esteem. If it wasn't for this whole girl party that you guys are doing, most of y'all would think to yourself, "Then how did this stupid bitch get caught up with a nigga like that?" Right. You know what I'm saying? Most people who were being honest would be like, girl, right? And then on top of that, let me fast forward a little bit. There was so much here. Number one, she got off easy, right? Fortunately or unfortunately, the pregnancy didn't carry the term, right? It wasn't like she had any money because I was watching the whole thing thinking like, is this a scam? Like, what is he doing all this for? She didn't have any money, right? And And if you separate the fact that she was lied to, and I get that, right? But for a while, she was having her bills paid. Right? How much of that allowed her to be blind to the fact of everything else? Why? Because she was a dusty. She was barely rubbing two nickels together. Right? So when you when you think about that, 
She was living in Riverdale. No knock on Riverdale or whatever she was living at. Okay, wasn't like the the greatest spot. She talked about that herself. So she wasn't making the greatest money necessarily. That's number two. She wasn't in a great shape. Had the greater confidence. So of course, predators are going to look for prey. That's why the lion sees the gazelle because the lion knows mm, I can go ahead and snatch that little gazelle up. She was prey. Right. And nobody wants to talk about that part because that's how we help other women in the future. Right. That's how we help them avoid like, yo, if you have low self-esteem, be careful because there are predators out there who can see how thirsty you are and then take advantage of you. Right. And why do you have low self-esteem? Right? Are you not willing to do the work to elevate your self-esteem? I'm not talking about what Nick thinks. Be clear. I'm talking about what they said and how they clearly viewed themselves and how they clearly was a victim to somebody who as a predator can spot the vulnerability. We got to call that shit out, right? So that other women are less likely to be victimized. Yes, he was a pathological liar. Yes, he was, you know, crazy shit like talking to somebody every morning, but it wasn't like the net net of the relationship. She didn't get something out of it. What was she doing with her money while he was paying all the bills? Was she saving some? So it turns right? out that was a rhetorical question. I was gonna answer. You know, you're talking to me. That was a rhetorical question, right? I'm just saying, like, I get it. Like, he was totally fucked up and he was totally wrong. I don't know that we are or anybody's in a position to help heal a pathological liar, right? So me addressing that part doesn't make any sense. I think universally everybody agrees that what he did was fucked up and it was crazy. But what she did was fucked up and crazy too. Right? Letting a man into your home, let alone your body, right? You got caught up. And she made a point to make it seem like she looked at every piece of information which led to her believing, I'm calling cap. I'm calling cap. Right? She had to kind of add that in there in order to make up her delusion that came from her thirsty place. Stop being thirsty out there, ladies. Right. And then and then the last thing I'm gonna say on this part of it is I'm sure she probably had some dude on her line. But she probably thought she was too good for that dude. Cause there's a lot of women out here, right, who even with low self-esteem still feel like they're better than some niggas. So she found some Adonis nigga. Now it's funny because people on the internet are like, oh, he ain't that attractive. Of course he ain't that attractive to you, but you ain't say that about her though, did you? You ain't talk about how not attractive she was, but I got smoke for him, right? And then people say, well, no, they go together. Exactly. But to her, though, he was a catch, right? And she felt like she came up. And she willfully looked past all of the red flags. And now we're supposed to be sitting here feeling sorry for her, even though she said, don't feel sorry for me. Well, I don't. This is an opportunity to help educate women on the fact that there are men out here who will prey on your insecurities. So you got to be honest about yourself, about how you feel about yourself so that you don't find yourself getting played. And at that point, that's the accountability that I don't know. There's much accountability that she took. That's the part that I don't know really came across, either from her perspective or from all the women out here cheering her on and supporting her. But nobody's being honest about that part, except for me. So 
The financial piece, that was actually one of the boxes that he checked, by the way, was that he seemed to be financially stable. And so that's why she was cool because she wanted that traditional lifestyle and she thought that he'll be able to provide that traditional lifestyle until she had to go get that second job. So yes, I do agree that the part that we aren't really unpacking is the portion that pertains to the woman herself. And because there are so many women that could relate to her story, it is concerning, right? There are so many women who were like, hey, this happened to me. I had my own legion at this point, or I was married to a legion or whatever the case may be. And that's why I pinged on the red flag portion of the conversation, right? Because at what point does one red flag, two red flags, three red flags, at what point do you recognize that these are red flags and you need to run? And then I thought about what you just said was that, you know what? The reason why she didn't recognize it was because of her low self-esteem. It was because she was thinking that she got better than what she probably thought she deserved. And therefore, she was willing to suck it up. Therefore, she was willing to look past it. Therefore, she was okay with it because she thought she was winning. And so I like that piece of it. I eat what you just said. I actually did not think about it from the self-esteem point of view, especially since there was a lot of women who were resonating with it. And to me, from my perspective, it was more or less like, wow, there's these type of people out there in the world. And I said men and women who are basically pathological liars and take advantage of women and men who don't know their worth is what it boils down to. Right. And so, wow. I just hope. Go ahead. I don't know, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I just hope that in this process, because I honestly do believe that somebody's going to adapt this story to some type of movie, some type of, and who knows, it might be a limited edition series on Netflix. I don't know. But the fact that it represents a lot of relationships because it had millions of views and so many women resonated with that. And so what are you going to say? No, I was going to say, like, I think, first of all, you know, for me, I'm happy for her, right? With the notoriety, I think she might have got a bag. People were talking about how much money she may have made. I thought she was a great storyteller for the most part. And she seemed like a really decent person, right? So I don't want to shit on her, but I do think we got to call a thing a thing. And I think the other thing that I, I feel like a lot of women find themselves becoming victimized by is the lack of effort, right? I've heard so many women say, oh my God, I'm tired of dating. It's exhausting. Like they look at dating as work. So when you look at dating as work, the first opportunity that you get that you feel like is viable, you're going to put all your eggs in that basket. Not because that person is maybe the best person for you, but because he's the person that's there for you right now, right? I've heard women talk about, yo, I just don't want to go through this whole dating thing. So I'm just giving him a shot. But they will try to fit a square hole into a, 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 whatever that phrase is, right? But they try to make something work that's not supposed to work, right? And so I do think sometimes just your mentality about dating, like this whole thing about I'm tired. Well, when you're tired, you'll just decide to just go with what's in front of you, right? But if you want what's best for you, it's going to take effort. You know what I'm saying? So I just kind of felt like that was part of it too. Obviously, the pandemic helped spread, you know, uh, speed things up because people were lonely. But I think she was low key lonely even before, right? Because if she had dudes in her lane, like she would have probably been a little bit more chill on that, just a little bit. You know what I mean? So this is a lot, I think, to glean in terms of how women choose to date or approach dating or the perspective of dating. Um, I think sometimes being lazy or looking at dating as a chore will cause you to make choices that may be imprudent for you in the long term. You still have to vet. I think we all can agree that like a month is not enough time to vet someone to move them into your home, right? And and the last thing I'll say is I do understand that women can resonate, but I feel like sometimes y'all resonate too damn much, right? Like, so if a man told you a lie 
and you resonate with her story. But knowing good and goddamn well, you never would have been in that position because you may have more discernments. You may choose to vet a little bit, right? So I think people take these stories and then they make it seem like there's more women going through what she went through. No. What she went through was, I think, on the extreme side. Mm-hmm. Are there women dealing with men who are liars? Yes. Does that make you a pathological liar? No. Right? Are there women who have dealt with men who were selfish or only thought about themselves? But does that mean that he was a narcissist? No. Right? This type of shit gives people the license to use words for their experiences that may not be appropriate. Right. In this case, maybe in terms of the pathological side. Right. But people just find like, you know, oh, the man did me wrong and now he got to be a narcissist. Nah, but he just didn't care about you that much. And he showed it. You know what I mean? So, but I mean, listen, congratulations to her. Her, she's going to London. Her, she's going to Paris. Hopefully she finds a man. Hopefully she finds love. Right. Because that's how the storybook is supposed to end. Isn't it? Well, that is the way the fairy tale goes. So you may just be on point with that. But you know who you should have been speaking to? Portia, because she also, in episode Who the Fuck Did I Marry? She also got engaged after knowing a guy for only one month. One month. And then six months later, she was married. I believe we have a clip, though. Can we run the clip? Sure can. Portia Williams' relationship with Simon Guabadia is over. The Real Housewives of Atlanta star has filed for divorce after 15 months of marriage, according to legal docs obtained by People. Portia first met Simon on the Bravo reality series when the Nigerian-born businessman was still married to her former co-star Fallon Guabadia. However, the two split up in April 2021, the same month Portia and Simon started dating. So apparently Portia met this guy and um, announced their engagement after one month. Similar to Reese's story, this guy checked all her boxes. So they proceeded to get married after six months. And she did know he checked all of her boxes. She went on record to say that. And so they had both a traditional wedding as an American wedding and then a traditional Nigerian wedding. Now, I don't know why the word Nigerian immediately triggered me, but whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. let's go to the story. So what's interesting is that he's been married three times before to this, um, to include to another Real Housewife, Atlanta cast member. I think her name was Phelan. And so anyways, I have so many thoughts on this, but I just want to, before I go there, I just want to say that his name is Simon and I'm going to mess this up. Maybe, maybe not. But Guabadia, is that how you pronounce it? Close enough. Close enough. (laughs) So anyways, she is now filing for divorce because allegedly this guy has committed identity fraud, vehicle fraud, credit card fraud, marriage fraud, and is facing potential deportation, has been deported before, previously for marriage fraud, by the way. I'm going to all say allegedly now because I want to make sure everybody realizes this is alleged activities that he faced in the past. And so apparently he's been denied U.S. citizenship. Um, due to his criminal past, and he's been trying to become a citizen since 1982, was granted his permanent residency under this new identity of Guabadia. Guabadia? Anyways, um, so do you think this rush marriage was another attempt for Guabadia to become a permanent citizen? And Portia just didn't realize it. Okay, that was all <clears throat> that was all over the place. <laughs> Cause at first I'm like, you're trying to compare it to Risa Tisa's who the fuck did I marry part, right? And let's be clear, it's not the same. Even if Portia went through the exact same thing that Shorty went through, do you know why people were not looking at it the same? 
Because she's, uh, you know what? I'm going to let you. It could have been a rhetorical. <laughs> Go ahead. My fault. It's probably rhetorical. rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, she, but you and I know why all of us would look at the story a lot differently. Okay. Um, I mean, but but on a more serious note, listen, whatever scam allegedly that Simon is running, at least he's a little bit more successful at it than Legion was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you know, compared to Simon, he was more like the Legion of Doom. Okay. But um but, <laughs> but I mean, listen, the whole thing was kind of messy. And again, I know like for us, it's not even just a celebrity piece, which can be intoxicating to talk about, right? But this idea of getting married so quickly, right? You met somebody or engaged with them for like about a month and all of a sudden you're such in, so in love, right? And I think part of that, at least for her and a lot of women, is falling in love with the fairy tale, right? Obviously, dude checked a lot of boxes for her, right? Apparently, he was supposed to be wealthy, doing very, very well. She even saw, I guess, glimpses of how he was in a previous marriage because the women that he was previously married to, like you mentioned earlier, was castmates. So a lot of times you bring a dude around your friends or even co you know coworkers, and they see how that dude is treating you, and and they are envious. They want that for themselves. So I think that's something to earmark right there and there. Right? If you are a married woman, sometimes you got to be careful about who you bring your husband around. Okay? Because some of these thirsty ass women will, and before you know, you're on the outside looking in. <laughs> Okay, that's number one. Number two, I don't know that I, I don't, I haven't, we haven't really heard from her yet in regards to the reasons for the divorce. This was really reported recently. I doubt that maybe we'll see uh, who the fuck did I married, you know, on TikTok, but she is announced or she did announce that she's coming back to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So I'm sure that we'll probably get more on the story as the next season picks up. But at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like a lot of times people get what they deserve low key. She's been in the lane in the vein of looking for a successful, wealthy man, especially African or whatever, to sweep her off her feet, right? There's also the little jokes and stereotypes about scammers out there, right? So if she was aiming for that and ended up getting somebody who's, who's scamming, I mean, ma, you got what you're looking for. You're looking for love for real, for real. You're looking to be taken care of. It's a dangerous game that you play. So I don't feel necessarily bad, right, without knowing all the details. And sometimes... It's not that the situation was horrible, right? Going back to like to the Tisa thing, for example, sometimes you just come out the other end and you have to look back and say, okay, was this a net you know, positive? Was it a net negative? What did I learn from it? You know what I mean? Because there's a bunch of people who, who break up. Maybe you broke up with somebody that wasn't a pathological liar. Does that mean that your experience was that far worse than hers, right? No, I think people go through relationships and sometimes you get good experiences. So in Portia's case, it looked like she was living the lavish life for the most part. She had the two weddings. She got the little TV show spinoff. So even if she came out and was like, oh my God, he scammed me. But you still got something out of it though, shorty. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't be a victim when I feel like you're participating willingly in the situation. And that's kind of what I felt like about both of these stories. I think Tisa recently was willingly participating, even though there was points where she said she knew he was lying and was just waiting to see how good the lie was going to be, right? So at some point in time, I can't feel sorry for you. And in Portia's case, I think she got what she wanted for the most part, maybe even got what she deserved. So that's what I got. So I think it was interesting that when I found out that he was married to a previous um, housewife, right? And my first thing was like, damn, did he just shit in his own backyard or did Portia just shit in her own backyard? And I was, and I, so I ain't gonna lie. I gave her some side eye just from that. Like, really? And so I did some more investigations, but we won't talk about it because that'll be a whole nother story about failing herself and how that divorce ended up coming about allegedly and supposedly. But back to Portia. So initially I was like, oh, this is some side eye because was they were they 
dating or were they looking at each other while he was already married to somebody else? And then my next thought was, he's Nigerian. I immediately <laughs> And as someone who normally don't go for stereotypes, when I found out first that he was African, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when they said he was Nigerian, and then I went any further and looked into what they're claiming his criminal past is, I was like, hmm, this seems to make sense. This seems to be on par when we talk about the Nigerian princess oh, and prince. And I'm going to say this because she actually felt like she was getting the princess fairy tale. She talked about being this um, the traditional Nigerian traditional wedding and feeling like a princess during the wedding. And so my mind went all over the place and it was just entertaining that I was like, wow, this stereotype, is this true? Because every time I hear about this, it's always this alleged stuff. Back to the divorce, um, her reps never came out and, and officially said it. Supposedly a source close to her indicated that this has the alleged citizenship status, has nothing to do, and his criminal history has nothing to do with while she's filing for divorce. They like to keep it private and close. Um, even though just five days before we found out she was filing for divorce, she was just talking about how he was the ride or die for her. So I think Portia herself is all over the place. But as they say, she's actually lucky because normally the way you get them where she was shitting in her own backyard is the way you lose them. And she's not losing him that way. She's losing him through possibly deportation. So I'm just going to say I wish. Well, I can't even say that because I don't necessarily wish the best. And we the reason why, the best as human beings. Right. I will say that then because I was like, was you looking at her, man, while she was with as a married woman? I'm actually offended because you was the next. Right. So I, and this, the wife became the ex while you became the next. And so I feel some type of way about that. I won't even lie. And so. I'm just going to say, I don't know. If he did these things, I don't even know if he'll be deported. All I know is that Portia is now filing for divorce and she'll be back on The Real Housewife. What confused me about The Real Housewife is why is it called Housewives when there's so many single ladies on it? I mean, she and, was married, though. She was married. There's some married people on there. I mean, listen, it's a TV show, reality show, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But listen, I, you know, we don't know these people. We wish them well in their, you know, future endeavors or whatnot. But I do think it does make for interesting conversation in regards to how long you should, you know, date somebody before you get married to them. You know, how well do you know somebody, right? These two previous stories, I think, spoke well to that. And our next story, actually, is funny because this show called Love is Blind, right? I actually got caught up, I think, season one. I watched a couple of seasons right and so we're going to play this little clip and then we'll come back on the other side there one thing that you wish you could take back something that you would kind of do differently you know for me i, I probably would have this is like kind of back you know behind the scenes uh i worked a lot i had a lot of like my schedule didn't really contrast well with the show like in the days or the moments where you could come back and we'd be together that night and yeah. not like chat about you know anything just be together yeah would make a world of a difference so possibly just like being more transparent with my schedule so i'm able to film is with scenes with AD because I think that was a little bit of an issue with uh, some of our dynamic tours like the part two of the show I'm not apologizing for anything I said what I said I did what I did I'm standing on business I'm proud of myself <laughs> 
Yeah, so in that clip, I believe we saw Clay who was kind of talking about his experiences on the show with AD, who was the chick who spoke last, I believe, right? So for those of you who are unfamiliar, Love is Blind is a place where they have men and women separated and they kind of date. It's like a blind date for real, for real, because people go through this whole dating process with never laying eyes on each other, right? Just conversations on their, like in these little pods. And then after the first portion of the show, they decide if they want to marry or, you know, propose to the, the woman, right? And so after that particular phase, they get married. No, they come together and have kind of like a let's meet and greet social vibes. They're in Mexico. They get a chance to meet the rest of the of the cast, some of the people that they didn't pick, things like that. And then they kind of eventually, the whole crescendo goes up to them getting married or choosing to get to get married by the end of the show, right? So that's the long and short of it. But I'll be honest, like I was kind of intrigued by this because the, the whole experiment is what they call it, is can you really fall in love with someone without ever seeing them? And if you do, I guess, you know, fall in love with them, does that love maintain uh, once you actually see them and then try to build with them, right? And so recently, the cast came in the news. I believe they dropped the last five episodes most recently. Um, so you have people doing interviews like the one that we saw. Um, different characters kind of stuck out. AD and Clay were the black couple on the show. You know, some of these shows, you have to have at least that one black couple. Um, and so what are your thoughts on just this idea that love is blind? Like you can meet somebody, not see them, get to know them, fall in love with them. And that's something that can last. I'll just say this and I'll pass it to you. I believe I saw season one and there were two couples on season one, which was about, I want to say five or six years ago that got married on season one and they're still married. One of them was a mixed couple. I think it was a black girl um, and a white dude. And then the other was like two white people or whatever, but they still were married and they claim that they're doing their thing. So is love blind? Can something like this work? Is there a, a certain amount of time you know, that someone should get to know someone before saying I do. What are your thoughts? So I thought this was an interesting concept, right? Um, as far as the show itself, where they can talk to each other, but they couldn't see each other. They got to know each other first and and then perhaps they may get a marriage proposal, right? And so, and then I also found it interesting that they only got to meet face-to-face after the proposal is accepted to truly reinforce that whole concept of love is blind. And so to me, isn't this basically like a newer version of an arranged marriage, right? Because I think as part of that, you mentioned that they get like three weeks or in the research, they get about three weeks to learn about their partners after the proposal. They can meet the family, their friends. And um, I find it so fascinating because should love be blind and or is love a conscious decision? Right. And so when we think about the concept of love being blind, I would want someone. It's, you know what? Let me pull this back. I would want someone to love me for who I am. Right. But I think that when we don't take in consideration the physical aspect, because we are all visual people as men and women, we're visual. And so there has to be some type of attraction level. I think it's nice that if we can just love each other based on conversation and so forth, that would be great. It's a great concept. And um, however, I think that the show is a little disingenuous by actually stating that love is blind just based on conversation, because the whole reason why they go to the resort and so forth is so they have an opportunity to physically see each other, be physically intimate if they want to and so forth, because that's an important piece of marriage as well. I still think it's somewhat of a newer version of an arranged marriage. I just hope that these couples don't end up on TikTok asking who the fuck did I marry? And um, but I will note that eight couples actually are still married from the start of the show. So it must be working. 
Well, no, it's funny when you mentioned the whole who the fuck did I marry? I think recently a guy came out. It turns out that he was supposedly engaged and living with a woman when he applied to be on the show, right? So there are people who are approaching these shows for stardom or at least what version of stardom they'll think they'll get from a reality show, right? So there's two different tracks I want to talk about this really quickly. One, I think it's the the celebrity piece, right? Like people's motivations for coming on a show like this, right? I think when it first came out, it was okay to kind of really believe in the experience but then once the show comes out and people are aware of it and then subsequently other people apply for the show, I kind of feel like undoubtedly some of those people are coming on the show for some level of fame, right? Like how long can I stretch this 15 minutes, right? Even one of the couples that I saw from season one, there was a part of me that was wondering like how much of their marriage is not only tied to that show, but also tied to their social media persona, right? It kind of becomes half business, you know, half relationship where you're not sure where the relationship starts and the business ends to a certain an extent, but I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're really loved there and they're building, right? But So the fact that they're still married and doing their thing is great. I just think in that situation is tough to maintain because you kind of are coming from like the celebrity high of it. And then once the cameras go away, you have to just live your life and now you're just stuck with this person. And to your point, you're not really getting to know these people within a short amount of time that you're kicking it with them, right? Even though they let them kind of live together in air quotes and do things in that nature, that's still not enough time, right? So I think that even though I agree with you, that it does kind of remind me of, uh, you know, arranged marriages. I think if we had better structure and better family community support for those types of things, like, you know, in arranged marriages, this could be something that worked, right? Like kind of the other show, Married at First Sight, where it's like the culmination of the work that was already done by your families to kind of bring the arranged marriage into fruition. And then because you have that family support, because you have that community support, right? Then I think maybe you have a better chance because I think for those countries that do have arranged marriages, their success rate is far, far, far higher, right? In fact, I would even venture to say that the success rate of marriages is even higher than ours, right? And I think some of that is because of the obligation. Some of that is because of the commitment. Some of that is because of the community and the culture that fosters the belief, right? And, and I'll land with this. There was one couple, there were two Indian couples. There was an Indian guy and an Indian girl on one of the seasons that I watched. I think it was season two. And they talked about that tradition to a certain extent, right? And it felt like they would have been more open to it. So when I remember watching them and hearing their story, I was like, okay, if they, if they would have gotten married, I think it would have worked partially because they came from a culture where that type of marriage arrangement occurred, right? So I do think it's a fascinating show to watch for entertainment purposes. I do think that arranged marriages could work or a vehicle like this could work. I just think that when you add the celebrity piece to it, when you add people's own motivations, right, that has nothing to do with falling in love Right. And everything to do with maybe exploiting the opportunity. I do think it makes it very difficult um, to kind of find the truth there. But I certainly think it's an entertaining show. I'm I'm certainly entertained um, and I'm not against the idea of arranged marriages, but we certainly would have to have we'd have to do a lot of work to get there. And that's what I was going to ask in our community when we think about the concept of arranged marriages, because that's basically what Love is Blind is. Like I said, it's just a modern, newer version of that. And. I wonder if that's something that we can actually bring into our community. But I know, to be honest, that we're not because we're not culturally prepared or mentally prepared to think in that term and in that manner because we've moved so far away from the whole village concept. Because one of the reasons why it worked, as you mentioned earlier, in these other countries is because it's the entire families working to bring that arrangement to fruition. I will note, that while there are some positives for arranged marriages, there are a lot of people or a lot of women, more precisely, 
who actually speaks against arranged marriages because they feel that it's for its cohorts and the obligation that comes from it. And sometimes the domestic violence seems to be in there seems to be a lot more domestic violence supposedly in those arranged marriages. But because that's not our culture, I'm not I'm not saying that in America. <laughs> Sorry. So anyways, the point is that there were people who were complaining about it when I was doing some research on arranged marriages and why it is good, the pros of it and the cons of it. And But I still think ultimately that is a novel ideal. And I would encourage us to embrace some type of social family structure that actually looks at that. Because you know how back in the day, the and this, this is just from... <laughs> My mother's day, we'll put it that way, where the um the man used to go and ask the father for their the hand in marriage, right? And I think some people still do that. As a matter of fact, Nick, I think didn't you do that too for your marriage where you went and asked the father? And so it's like traditions like that that also gets the family involved. And so Love is Blind, I think, is a great concept. I would love to check out more than the clip. I actually end up watching a little bit of the show. But you know what? Perhaps black corporate women could benefit from a show like this. Perhaps we could see an uptake in Black women um, participating in shows like Love is Blind. And so can we run the clip on why it's so hard for Black corporate women to get married? I'm single. I don't have children. And people ask me, like, what happened? And I'm a heterosexual woman, right? And so it's like, well, a couple things happened. Um, You know, I think first and foremost, I always say I spent too much time on the wrong relationships. That is, I tell any young woman, get in and get out. Get it's the OG classic. That's, That's what Jay Z said. Classic. That's what Jay Z said. Now you're speaking the language. Right? Now you're speaking the language. Get out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, move on as quickly as possible, right? Learn the lesson, <laughs> forgive, and move on. Um, so I didn't necessarily do that as often as perhaps I should have. But I also think, um, you know, being, creating a space to date and explore women that are are driven in their careers they don't have time tend to forget about well, how not, intentional you need to be about that's dating. another thing i'm glad you said that they don't have time they don't have time they don't make time they don't make the time they don't make the time they have the time they don't make the time they don't make it because it gets exhausting it. right when yeah. you're when you're constantly coming up against the men that may not be it, equally yoked All right. So based on this short clip, this is Erica Pittman and um, she's a marketing brand executive and whatnot, and as well as an author, which I appreciate as a fellow author. And so she identifies like the main reasons why black corporate women are not marrying. And it's basically because they ain't got time for it. And they're so focused on their career that they lack, they don't participate in intentional dating. And so I think it's between the priorities there, which is career focused, not intentionally dating and immediately dismissing because they may have stayed too long in a relationship or they want to move out the relationship, whatever the case may be. Uh, what are your thoughts, though, in regards to why black women, particularly corporate women, don't get married? Um, well, first of all, kudos to her. I thought she did an excellent job of articulating her points. Um, she looked like, you know, a woman who could speak from experience. If I'm not mistaken, she's married also. Um, and if I'm incorrect in that, please correct me. But uh, Yes, she's single. I just checked. She turns out to be single. Oh, I thought you told me she was married. So she is so, single. Yes, so she's, initially, not, she's not taking her own advice. Yeah, so initially she they thought she was married and but then I did some additional research and and I watched the full show and no she's actually still single. Well, first of all, everybody on the research staff is fired. You know what I'm saying? Get your stuff and go. Go now, okay? But 
with that being said, hey, how you doing? Let me rewind how I do this particular segment or answer this particular question. I thought that she did an amazing job articulating herself, you know? <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, though, um, I mean, listen, this is the thing that we've talked about before, right? Women who, I guess, are corporate, now we're kind of framing it in the corporate standpoint, women who are focused on their careers. And my thing is, like, if you find yourself at 45 or your early 40s and you're single and you were focused on your career and you've gotten everything that you wanted out of your career and you're okay with not having a husband or any kids or any legacy, then who the fuck are we? You know what I'm saying? Like, people just have to be aware of what they're doing, why they're doing it, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, there are men who are focused on their careers, right? And they still want to be fathers. And so they still make time, right, to find a woman to marry, right? So on and so forth. So this idea that women just don't want to make the time, all right, cool. Then that speaks to what you prioritized, right? But what I think a lot of men on the internet are saying is don't then come on the internet and complain about how ain't no good niggas out here. Don't then get on the internet and complain about how there's no guys at your level and all this other shit. Like you have consciously chose to waste away, I think, your prime years, right, when it comes to marriage and having children, right? Because I was watching Kendra G, matter of fact, and she had this 54-year-old police officer. She was a beautiful woman for 54, beautiful period, right? And she acknowledged like, yeah, you know, I want a man who already has kids because I'm already past that prime of my life. Mind you, I don't think she had any kids, right? Because she also prioritized her career. I think she was like a lieutenant for like the federal police or some shit like that, right? So she seemed sweet. She seemed very nice. But at the same time as a man, I have questions like, so you've never been married, right? So you never prioritized having a family? Is it okay for that man to be concerned on whether or not that woman is all of a sudden going to be able to flip a switch and prioritize him in the relationship? Right? Is there a danger that you get so comfortable with being by yourself that you don't know how to be with other people? Right? So I get what she's saying, right? I totally understand that women tend to be focused, but yo, if y'all's trying so hard to be like men, why don't you pick up that part of men who also make time to have families? Right? I mean, because men do it. Right, we go out there, we work, we still have families. Now I get it. The challenge for y'all may be that he's not expected to be the caregiver for the child. True, but shit, girl, you making that much money? Get you a little nanny, then. You know what I'm saying? Get you a manny, a man that'll be your nanny. Okay, I mean, shit, marry you a dude who's okay with you being the boss chick. There's a lot of options out here for women when it comes to finding somebody. Because not every dude is an alpha dude. Not every dude wants to be the head of household. There are some men out here who will be great stay-at-home dads. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So again, I appreciate the beautiful, articulate sister for bringing some light in regards to what's prohibiting corporate women. But the other thing, and I'll say this last part, Staying in bad relationships for too long. Woo, she spoke a word then, didn't she? <laughs> but I think that's also in part why, because of what I said before, because women tend to be lazy when it comes to relationships. Like you're at least getting 60% of what you need from him. That's why y'all staying, right? It ain't because you see a future. It's like, huh, girl, I don't, I gotta meet somebody new. I gotta add to the body count. I might as well just keep on kicking it with Tyrone. 
You know what I'm saying? You feel me? So listen, if you are out there getting everything you want and need in life, I'm going to shut the fuck up. But for any young lady out there, preferably maybe in your 30s, you're not married, you don't have any kids yet, you think you might want some kids, at some point in time, you should prioritize trying to find somebody and then make the commitment to get to know somebody. And don't just quickly just be with somebody because you're at that age and you think you deserve it. You don't deserve shit, right? At best, you maybe deserve what you work for. Right. But a lot of y'all acting like y'all deserve Mr. Happy just dropping to your laps and without doing any work. Right. And I think that's why a lot of these corporate women, in addition to what they said, it was in addition to what she said, the other reason is I just think that people feel entitled that they deserve that's going to magically come out the sky for them. Right. You're going, what's the fairy tale? You're at work, busy focusing on your job. And then Mr. Wonderful somehow shows up and sweeps you off your feet. It makes you realize that while work is important, it wasn't that important to the grander scheme of things because what you really deserve is love and a family. <laughs> Have we seen this movie before? <laughs> Have you seen this movie before? <laughs> it's time for a sequel, y'all, because we've seen this movie way too many damn times. But go ahead, SNL. So with the intentional dating, I think that's the biggest piece that I really picked up on uh, was the intentional dating, right? Because when she talks about staying in the bad relationships for a long period of time, it is because it's, it's comfortable, right? It's because there is no work involved. It is because it's easier. It was the path of least resistance to stay in this relationship. But then at the same time, she also mentioned the term that I know some people get really upset about with the equally yoked. So they may have stayed in that relationship because it was comfortable while they were waiting for the person who they thought was maybe equally yoked. And so I think that the equally yoked conversation is a part that does a disservice to us um, because what exactly does it mean to be equally yoked? And especially when we start thinking about attributes and characteristics that we may want in our partner and recognize that we may not be able to get everything that we want. And so what sacrifices are we willing to make? Because equally yoked can mean just like you mentioned about the stay-at-home um, father, right? Stay-at-home dad. That could be equally yoked because the other person's a breadwinner, right? And so I think we need to start reframing our mindset when it comes to things like that because if the intention is to be married, then you need to start dating initially with that intention. I will note that as a Black woman who... <laughs> that we are actually raised to focus on the career aspect first, like education, career. So go to school, get a good job. And then along the way, a husband will pop up if that's what you want. And so that's, that's actually a true statement in regards to the fairy tale movie, lifetime movie and how it's supposed to occur, because that's technically how we were raised to believe it's going to happen. And that's why there are so many educated, college educated black women. And that's why there's also so many un- married black women because they are waiting for that fairy tale. So I appreciate her saying this in regards to the research, the initial research, it was like people like, oh, she's married. So she's speaking from a place because she was talking about at one point in the interview, what she would do if she was married, as far as everything becoming our money and so forth. Oh yes. Upon, I did like that part. Yeah. Right. Oh, but upon yeah. research, it turns out that she is actually single, which gives her actually more credibility to speak on why she's single as a corporate woman. And so Good luck and reevaluate. Maybe we can have her on for an interview. You know what I'm saying? I would love to get her thoughts, you know what I mean, and and kind of comb through um, how she got to where she got to. Um, you had said something, though, that I wanted to touch on, but I think it's probably escaping me. But I do think there is some soul searching that women need to do, right? Oh, I do remember what it was, right? So I do think, and I'm going to say this, 
I think it's time for us to reevaluate our roles, you know, between men and women. You know, like, for example, if a woman's out there killing it in a corporate and the dude, maybe he's like a teacher, or maybe he's like, you know, somebody who works for a nonprofit and maybe his ambition isn't necessarily like to make money, right? Those two people can maybe work. In fact, one of my really great friends, she's more like a corporate person. She's climbed up the ladder. Her husband maybe doesn't make as much as he uh she does, but he has a fulfilling job. It's a non-for-profit and they pull their money together and they have a really good life and they raise their kids, right? So I do think that like women want everything, right? And so for those women who are corporate and making really great money, maybe it's it's okay that you find a guy who doesn't want to have to lead you in every department, right? You know what I mean? Like, because I think women want the guy who is not only making more money, but he's a leader. He's good looking, dropping some good deeds, da, 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 da. And after a while, like, it's going to be very hard to find that, right? There are men out there who probably do want marriage, but you may have to pay him alimony if you guys get divorced. You know what I'm saying? It's called welcome to equality, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you you want it you want it now you feel they get it girl but anyway speaking of getting it or maybe i should say not getting it right we have this clip it's about my homegirl Coriel. she's talking about this study in regards to sexless marriages and relationships let's take a look at that clip and then we'll meet you on the other side a man divorced his wife for withholding sex. He said they had sex twice in two years. Now, we did an episode on Wifed Up Now What, where we talked about sexless marriages. Sexless marriages are considered marriages where they have not had sex in six months or more. So this was definitely a sexless marriage that he was involuntarily in, which I think most of us can agree that this is madness, right? Especially if you have not agreed to this with your spouse. Obviously, this is a reason for him to be upset. Obviously, this is a reason, you know, that he felt like it was worthy of getting a divorce, especially if he felt like she was withholding it because he was mad. And this is the main complaint that married men have is that their single girlfriend, fiance went from having sex consistently and frequently to having a low sex drive, not being interested, not being intimate and withholding sex when they're mad. So yes, SNM, what are your thoughts on these sexless marriages, sexless relationships, whether or not they're a reason for a person to get out of the relationship? This just sounds crazy to me. How about you? So I can't even imagine being in a sexless relationship or being in a sexless marriage. As a matter of fact, sex is one of the greatest ways to connect, de-stress, and reconnect with your partner. Talk and it also it. speaks to desirability, a desirability. So I don't even, I can't even imagine it's like, it does not make sense to me. And I feel sorry for anybody who's in a sexless relationship and they should immediately remove themselves from that. No, I'm just kidding. Not immediately remove themselves. Um <laughs> Let me, oh, let me be go more. get it somewhere else. Yeah, no. <laughs> so let me put on my the S and M Jones hat. So I think that if you're in a sex relationship, right? I think you need to assess what the root cause of the sexless marriages or relationship is. It kids? Is it work? Is it because y'all have mismatched sex drives? Like his sex drive high, your sex drive low? Is it because of birth control? Birth control? Because it turns out birth control actually does lower sex drive, by the way. But anyways, health issues. Is it stress? Communication? I don't know what it is, but let's get to the root cause. If you really value that person, you really value that relationship, because I cannot even imagine going without sex. Let me just put it out there. I can't even imagine this. <laughs> so... But we recognize life happens and that comes, that may be a part of life. I'm not sure it's going to be, hopefully it will never be a part of my life. And so hmm, I'm just going to go with, I can't imagine, can't do it, can't do it. 
<laughs> Listen, I feel you. Um, yeah, so let me just say this off bat. You know, any man out there who is suffering from no sex at all syndrome, you know, there's help for you. Call the number on the bottom of the screen. But no, seriously, I don't think anybody, if sex is important to you, you, you were talking about equally yoked before. This is one of the areas that I do think it's important for people to go together. I won't say equally yoked, but like kind of match, okay? If you have a person who has a sex drive and wanting to have sex five times a day and a person who's like, eh, I'm okay without it, that's probably not a good match. You know what I'm saying? Now, I think a lot of the times, you know, men, I, I want to say this because women and men are obviously completely different, right? Like a, a man is kind of more like a muscle car, right? It has like the basic parts that it needs and it operates at a very high level. I feel like women are more like luxury vehicles because it has all these different gadgets and things that help it to operate at an optimal level, which makes sense because the woman's body does far more as it relates to reproductive, for example, than men's body do, right? So for example, yes, we might have ED. That might be an issue for us. Or maybe we're not having very strong whatever, right, as we get older. But the the things that go wrong for us are very limited, for example, right? But with women, it could be emotional, right? It could be postpartum. It could be, you know, mental, psychological, right? It could mm -hmm. be physical, like you mentioned before. It could be the result of, of side effects from taking things, right? So, like, there's all of these different things happening within a woman's body that can lead to her not being desirous of sex, right? And so I think we just got to be mindful of that. I know there's been uh, valleys maybe in our relationship or my relationship where I wasn't attending to her mentally or emotionally. And even... Even though we were still getting our groove on, you can tell the difference in terms of, you know, the output, if you will, right? It was more in tune. It was more sensual. It was more engaging, right? Simply by being more attentive to where she was mentally, right? Because it's one thing to have sex, right? But it's another thing to have sex where both people are engaged in a very loving, emotional, spiritual, mm -hmm. maybe sexual type of way, right? Especially after you've been married for a while, sometimes sex can just kind of be mechanical where you're just kind of going through the motion and you're just doing it, right? So there's just different levels in terms of going from not having any at all to it being like the most amazing. Right. And especially after you're married for a long time, it does become a little bit challenging for people to maintain that level of excitement, interest, engagement, right, from the sexual side. So there's a lot of gray here in terms of how people get to that. But I know that as a man, if you're in a relationship where you're not happy, you're going to either be forced to do certain things, right? So if you're in that situation the brother was in, number one, try to talk to her figure out what's going on, support her going to get mental or, or, or you know, physical, uh, you know, checks to make sure everything is going okay, right? Just be supportive of trying to help her figure out what's going on. Now, if women are using sex as a weapon, if women are just like kind of just being lazy, do not want to put forth the effort, if it feels like she's no longer interested in pleasing you or putting forth the effort to make sure you're equally satiated in the relationship, then you might want to start calling a lawyer. You might want to figure out what's really, really good, right? Because the other reason, aside from all the justifiable reason that women will not want to have sex, for example, but another reason is because she just doesn't want to, because she wants to be vindictive, because she's upset with you. She wants to weaponize her sex, right? And so there are women out there who are using sex as a form of manipulation. And even that, my brother, I would tell you, you might want to consider calling the lawyer, right? So we totally get it that women go through real things. And so that's what I'm speaking from. But I wish, you know what I mean? Like, mm, mm. listen, I love my wife, right? And I feel like we're going to be together forever. 
But uh, if something happened to her and she no longer was, you know, connected from the neck down, you know, we're going to have to compromise. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to figure something out. You know, I might have to call that corporate trick from the previous segment to see if she got to come in at part time. That's a witty situation for everybody. You dig what I'm saying? <laughs> so I will note that um, you did ping on one thing about women being the intimacy piece of it, right? And um, there are things that you can do, actually, to in addition to the suggestion that Nick made. Uh, there are some things that you can actually do to build intimacy, such as trying a new activity together. It sounds like in Nick's case, it may be involving that corporate lady, but, you know... Um, <laughs> Talk or you could do climbing the corporate ladder. <laughs> <laughs> you could do something physical together, such as going on a walk. You know, get those endorphins going, exercising together, whatever. Schedule a vacation or a getaway, or even plan a staycation at the home. I don't recommend the staycation at home if her stress is home related. By the way, though, and so or start scheduling date nights. And even though it sounds weird to have a scheduled date night because we like, oh, we love spontaneity. That's not true. Sometimes based on your schedules, because you're too busy. This that with that intention piece come in you may want to schedule a date night my husband and I we actually do have a scheduled date night it may change just depending on what our um workload workload is but we do actually participate in a scheduled date night and then lastly I would just say get help if you especially you can afford it right so hire a cleaner if the stress is related to household right or if the stress is related to cooking and meal prepping or anything like that, you know, factor meals are great. And along they're with other, us, though. so I might I might have to beep that out because they're not sponsoring us yet. But factor, <laughs> if you're watching, hey, this is the type of show that you might want to sponsor. Right. Back to you, I was gonna, I was going to name a couple more, but with that being said, we're just going to say these pre prep meals are great, and um, do whatever it takes to decrease the stress in your household and seek counseling if it's not working out for you before you decide to do A Y B whatever the case X Y Z. Um, seek counseling and, um, but most importantly. Start the communication because it could be those other factors that are causing her, in this particular case, because it was the guy, um, not wanting to have sex. But I will make one interesting note and land here. It caused some concern. So in doing research on sexless marriage, it said 57.7% of married men and 60.9% of married women reported having sex weekly or more. My concern is why it's only 57.7% of married men, but 60.9% of married women. You already know. You already know what the math is. Son of them hoes cheating. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Wait Son a minute. Son of them hoes outside. <laughs> you, but listen. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. I was just, I thought that was interesting because at first I was going to pull out all the stats, not all the stats, but some of the stats, but I found it interesting. So the moral of the story is sex is great. Have sex. If you don't have sex, then be ready for repercussions and ramifications of not having sex, especially if there's no conversation involved as far as it pertains to why you may not be interested in sex. I know as a woman, sex actually helps me reconnect with my husband, especially if I feel like we have not, if we're disconnected or we haven't connected in any shape, way, or form, or we're moving apart from each other. And so have sex. I don't understand it. I'm going to be old lady in the nursing home. Where's my husband? I need some dick. And so. <laughs> you better take this little see Alice. You better go see you saw Alice. Okay. You see Alice already, because you know it's going to be a time. You go, go see Alice, and then you come back to the room when you're ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm confused by that whole sexual comment. No, I'm not confused, but no, seriously. Really, though, you know. But I'll say this, Have right? Sex. 
and uh yeah because you know <laughs> these landings aren't you know is there I'm like, are we landing or not? But but I'll just say this to closing, to your point about scheduling it. Honestly, I get how people can feel about scheduling sex, but it's one of those things that you can also like look forward to, right? Like if you know, hey, you got a busy week, but I know Thursday is going to be our little special night. So instead of looking, it's all about perspective, right? So rather than looking at, oh my God, I shouldn't have to schedule something, like, nah, you know what I mean? This is something I'm scheduling. I'm going to look forward to it. So if today is Wednesday, I know tomorrow we have a little daily day I'm looking forward. So it's all about how you look at things. And speaking of how looking forward to things can maybe increase your excitement for it, why don't you go ahead and add the BLC? pod to your calendars for example right so that way you know every tuesday at 8 a.m right the blc pod is coming so you can build the anticipation right but even if you don't do that at the very least what you can do is like subscribe follow comment and share because when we do post you'll be notified so make sure you hit that notify button right but it is certainly about that time for us to get up yes. out of here SM. i know you got something yes. special what's yes, up yes. <laughs> So on our so on our way out the door, first of all, it's been a great episode. I know that uh, I may have been all over the place. I ain't gonna lie, I may have been all we over are, the place. We all, we both were. <laughs> you know, we lots help. of thoughts. And so, but I want to close out with this little known. It's not actually little known. It's actually a well known Black history fact, and it pertains to the phrase "the revolution." would not be televised. And so this was a song written by Gil Scott Heron. And it turns out um, he wrote it back in like 1969 when he was a college student. And it was during the time of the civil rights as well as the Vietnam War. And so a lot of people got misunderstanding, misconceptions as far as what they thought he meant by the revolution would not be televised. Um, People assumed that he meant physical violence, but he didn't. He basically meant if you can shackle a person's mind, you can shackle a person's body. The revolution not being televised speaks to changing your mindset. And we talked a lot about changing mindsets on this this particular episode. And to be honest, throughout a lot of our episodes. So true change cannot occur until you change your mind and therefore your actions. It starts internally. But before we play this clip, when you first heard this song or phrase, what did you think about it, Nick? No, it was okay. I mean, listen, it's best said. Why don't we just let Gil Scott Karen say what he had to say, right? Let's let, let him break it down so we can get up out of here. But yeah, I thought it was well said and I thought you did a great job of recapping that for sure. Well, you know, the, the, the catchphrase, what that was all about, uh, the revolution will not be televised, that was about the fact that the first change that takes place is in your mind. You have to change your mind before you change the way you live and the way you move. So when we said that the revolution will not be televised, we were saying that, like, that, that, that the thing that's going to change people is something that no one will ever be able to capture on film. It'll just be something that you see and all of a sudden you realize, I'm on the wrong page, or I'm on the right page, but I'm on the wrong note. And I've got to get in sync with everyone else to understand what's happening in this country. Mm-hmm. But I think that the black Americans have been the, the, the only real diehard Americans here because we, we're the only ones who, who've carried the process through the process. That everyone else has to sort of like skip stages. We're the ones who marched, we're the ones who carried the Bible, we're the ones who carried the flag, we're the ones who tried to go through the courts. And, 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 and being born American didn't, didn't seem to matter. Because we were born Americans, but we still had to fight for what we were looking for. And we still had to go through those channels and those processes.